Welcome to Peace by Believing with John Redmond, Associate Pastor of First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. If you're anything like me, you still have Christmas gifts to buy and errands to run and things to do. I've always found that waiting to the last minute makes things a little bit more exciting. Or maybe that's just the positive spin I try to put on the fact that I tend to procrastinate Christmas shopping as long as possible. Today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about how we can prepare our hearts for Christmas. How we can be ready for the greatest day in the year when we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. And so on today's program, we're going to be thinking about the true meaning of Christmas. Yes, we buy gifts for each other. That's part of the fun and part of the celebration. And yes, we get together with our family and friends and lots of things are happening at Christmas. But the real meaning of Christmas is that God loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life, to die a sacrificial death, and then to come up out of that grave in a victorious resurrection so that we could have peace with God, so that heaven could be our home, and so that one day we could live with God forever there. And so as we think about Christmas and get ready for Christmas, it would be a tragic mistake to forget the true meaning of Christmas, which is Jesus Christ. Now, on today's program, we are in for a treat because my dad, who is the senior pastor here at First Baptist Church, is going to be preaching. He has been the senior pastor in Pasadena for almost 27 years. I've been on the staff with him for about 21 and a half years. And typically at our church, he preaches the two morning services and I preach on Sunday nights. And so on today's program, he's going to be preaching and he's going to be talking to us about what Jesus did before Christmas, what Jesus did before he was born in Bethlehem. Now, in our minds, we think, what do you mean, what did he do before he was born? You can't do anything really before you're born, but Jesus did. Because the fact is, while Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he didn't begin there. Jesus has no beginning. He has been around from eternity past. And in this sermon today, we're going to begin by thinking about some of the things Jesus did in heaven before he came to earth. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll open them to John chapter 1, we're going to be looking at a great verse, the 14th verse today, and I pray that this sermon will be a tremendous blessing to you. John chapter number 1, our verse is verse number 14. How appropriate on this Sunday before Christmas. The Bible says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What a blessed, wonderful verse. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Some might say, that is John's Christmas story. One little verse. He says it all. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever thought about what Jesus did before he was born? Now, you have to get outside of the box to think about that because the fact of the matter is before you were born, you did nothing. Before I was born, I did nothing. And yet, it's very different with Jesus. Before Jesus was born, 
He did a lot of things. And I want to mention a couple of them this morning. If you'll take your bulletin, one of the things that Jesus did before he was born, he had fellowship with God the Father. And I wish you'd write that word fellowship down. Long before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, what did he do? Well, the Bible tells us he had fellowship with God the Father. If you look in John chapter 1, let's just go to the very beginning of the chapter. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, at this point, the Bible does not tell us who this Word is. In your Bible, I would think that word, Word, begins with a capital W. I checked several different translations. I could not find one that did not do that. But the fact of the matter is, what John says is, in the beginning was the Word. Now, it's very, very interesting. That is one of John's favorite themes in the New Testament, in his writings. In the New Testament alone, that word is logos, translated into English as word. In the New Testament, it occurs 330 times. It, it, it's also interesting in John's writings. Remember, he wrote, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the Gospel of John. But he wrote those three epistles over at the end, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and then he wrote the Revelation. So the Apostle John wrote five of the books we have in the New Testament, and, and in his writings, he used that word logos 65 times. In the Gospel of John alone, he uses the word logos 40 times. And so it's one of his big themes, and we'll see it as we read through this book. But look at it again. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and look what it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, when you run across the word logos in the Bible, in the New Testament, it either refers to the Old Testament writings, it refers to things that Jesus said, or it refers to Jesus himself. And here it refers to Jesus himself. And it says a very interesting thing. It says, and the word, that is Jesus, uh, God the Son, was with God and the word was God. There's only one God, but in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But here's what the Bible is telling to us is before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, he was what? He was with God. That word with, W-I-T-H, comes from a Greek word, pros, P-R-O-S, which means toward or it means face to face. And so it, it may be out of the box, but we need to understand something. Before Jesus was born in Bethlehem, before God the Son came to Bethlehem, God the Son was already with God the Father in heaven, and he was having face-to-face -face fellowship with God the Father before he was born in Bethlehem. Not only that, Jesus participated in creation before he was born. You might want to jot that down the bulletin. He participated in creation. Didn't do it by himself, but he participated. In verse 3, the Bible says, all things were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In fact, it's repeated twice in that one verse for emphasis sake. All things were made through him. 
That is, he participated in creation. Then said a second time for emphasis, without him, that is, without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. So what did Jesus do before he was born? Well, he had fellowship with God the Father. Not only that, he participated in creation. And not only that, write down one other thing, he created the angels before he was born. He created the angels. Now turn with me to the book of Colossians. Over, turn to the right and work your way over to the book of Colossians. And when you get to the book of Colossians, find chapter number one. I'm going to wait for you to get there. This is very, very important or we would not take time to, to turn over. But in Colossians chapter one, verse number 16, the Bible says, for by him, that's talking about Jesus. All things were created that are in heaven, that are on the earth, the visible, the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That is what we have in that verse. We have various categories of angels. So before Jesus was ever born, what did he do? <laughs> he had fellowship with God the Father. He participated in creation, and he created the angels. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing to know. Now, go back to our text in John chapter number 1 in verse number 14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we should underline that if you underline in your Bible. Now, let me ask you, if you would, to look with me in the book of Galatians. I want to show you one other verse this morning that kind of helps us fit things together. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians, the book of Galatians in chapter number four. Galatians chapter four. We're just thinking about what is being said. Uh, the old apostle John said, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in Galatians Chapter number four, beginning with verse four, the Bible says, but when the fullness of the time had come, that is in God's perfect timing, in God's plan, look what he says. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. Now, you know, when you think about that, you have to ask this question. Why did God, now think about this a moment. Why did God leave heaven, come to earth, wrap himself in human flesh, and live among us? You talk about the vastness of God's love. You know, at every funeral service I preach, probably, I say something like this. I can't speak for the person who's proceeded, but I think I know this person well enough to know that if they could speak today, they would say, I would not ever want to leave where I am with God in heaven to come back to earth. Now, I believe that with all my heart. I don't believe anybody who's already gone to heaven in heaven would say, I'm homesick to get back down on earth. I just don't, I just think that's biblically, uh, it's not right. And just intellectually, it's not right. And practically, it's just not right. In any other way you want to say it. Now, but God, who was in heaven, <laughs> he left heaven 
And he came to earth, to Bethlehem, and he wrapped himself in human flesh, and he lived among us. Now, the question is, why would God do that? That's a great question. If you stop and just think about this deal a moment, you know, why would God have such a plan to do such a thing? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God left heaven. God comes to earth, wraps himself in human flesh. He's all man now, God the Son, but he's all God. Now, that's beyond my comprehension and yours and everybody else. Jesus is the God-man. Well, why did God do that? Oh, please write this down. He did that for a very specific reason, and that is to show us the way to peace, life, and heaven. And I do hope you jot that down in your bulletin. Why would God leave heaven, come to earth, wrap himself in human flesh, live among us, to show us the way to peace and to life and to heaven. Now look with me with your eyes again in John chapter 1, verse 14. This is the greatest verse on the incarnation found anywhere in the Bible. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And you think, how do you explain that? Or how do you and I just, you don't have to explain it. I mean, you look at that verse, the word God became flesh. Well, I know, I say, well, I think I grasp it, but like in a simple, practical way, how can you figure that deal out? How can it click? Well, I've been struggling with that for a couple of weeks, thinking about in this sermon today, Sunday before Christmas, I wanted to preach on that text. And I thought somehow, some way, I need some good illustration to make this thing come alive. It's just, I mean, this thing is just deep. The Word, God, became flesh and dwelt among us. <laughs> well, in some of my reading, I ran across a story that Paul Harvey told. And I thought, this is it. He tells this story about in the coldest part of one winter, like almost a blizzard, a farmer was in his house sitting by the fireplace to keep warm, and he heard this hacking on his kitchen glass door. And he got up to look out another window to see what it was hacking on his kitchen door, and it was some tiny, shivering sparrows. And what they were trying to do, they were trying to get inside out of the blizzard coal into the warmth of the house. And it really touched the old farmer's heart. And so what he did, he put him on a heavy coat and he walked out through the snow to his barn and he opened the barn door, turned on the barn light, threw some hay over in the corner and, and got out of the way back over in the darkness kind of and thought now the little sparrows will see this and they'll fly in here to warmth and safety. But nothing happened. Nothing happened. They just kept pecking, hacking on his kitchen window. Well, he decided what I'll do, I'll walk around this way and try to get behind them, have them between between me and the barn, and that'll kind of shoo them in. Well, he did that and nothing. 
So then he thought, well, what I'll do, I'll get me some saltine crackers, and I'll go back down to the barn door that's open, and I'll just crumble them up for a little ways, and maybe that will kind of guide them to go in to the barn. Nothing. Well, he didn't know what else to do, so he goes back in, gets back by the fire to be warm, and all of a sudden a thought came to the old farmer's mind. And here's what he thought. If I could become a bird, one of them, just for a moment, I could show them the way to warmth and safety. Folks, that is the principle of the incarnation. You see, a man becoming a bird is nothing compared to God becoming a man. Can I have an amen to that? <laughs> I mean, really, it's not. And this is a whole deal. What God did, God became man. He left heaven and he came to earth. He wrapped himself in human flesh to do what? To show us the way to life, to peace, and to heaven. And oh, my friends, that is what we celebrate Christmas Day. We celebrate that day that God left heaven, came to earth, wrapped himself in human flesh, and became the God-man. And here's what I know. On this Sunday before Christmas, for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus— Christmas is going to be a marvelous time because whatever our circumstance in life is, if you, have, if you have God living in you, you have peace, you have life, and you have the assurance of heaven. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. It's about your soul, and it's such a perfect day, the Sunday before Christmas. Do you remember... Not a day and a date and an hour, but do you remember an experience in your life where you realized you were a sinner and you felt like just something inside of you was saying to you, you need to ask God to forgive you of your sins and ask Jesus to come into your heart and to make you a Christian. Do you remember a time like that experience? I do. For the life of me, I couldn't tell you what year even it was. I could figure it out finally. I certainly would never be able to remember the month, certainly the day. But I do remember as a boy in church on a Sunday morning, sitting back in the very back, I felt something inside me I'd never felt. I had not a clue. I just felt like God wanted to come into my heart. And I went home that Sunday and told my mother. And she talked to me a little, and she said, we need to let the pastor talk to you. And the following Saturday, he did. Now, I don't remember days and all that stuff, but I'll tell you what. That is as real to me today after all these years. And I'm saying to you today, if you're saved, now folks, hear me this morning. If you're saved, you remember an experience where you felt something. And you realize you needed to put your faith and trust in Jesus. And if you don't remember any experience like that, if the only thing you remember is you joined a church 
or you were baptized in the water, or you took the Lord's Supper, or whatever. I mean, if you, if you don't have, if you have no recollection of an experience, because I care about you, I say you need to at least question your experience. Because, hear me, this is one area you must be right. For if you're wrong on this one, you will perish forever. And it's needless. You don't have to do that. And you say, well, I'm not sure. This morning, settle that. What better day than the Sunday before Christmas to say, you know what? I've been listening to all this Baptist stuff and Methodist stuff and Episcopalian stuff and Catholic stuff and, 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 and whatever. But listen, it's, it's all about Jesus. God left heaven and came to earth and he lived among us. Have you ever asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and life to be your Lord and to be your Savior? And if you've not, hear me, this morning, you can do that. And you'll have a peace like you've never had in your life. You'll experience a life that is beyond any life you've ever lived. And you will have the assurance that one day you'll go to heaven. Well, that's the true meaning of Christmas so that we could have our sins forgiven, so that one day when we die, we could go to heaven and live with God forever. And so today, if you have never received Jesus Christ to come into your heart, to forgive all of your sins and to make you a Christian, I cannot imagine a better day to get that settled than on this day, the week before Christmas, the Sunday before Christmas. And so, you know, when we think about all the different things about Christmas and the fact that we get to be with our families and our friends and the giving and receiving of gifts and all the exciting things that are going on, the most important part about Christmas is Jesus and knowing that He is living in our hearts and that our hearts have indeed become His home. And so today, if you would like to know for sure that Jesus Christ is living in your heart, I'm going to lead you in a little prayer. We call this the sinner's prayer, and the reason we call it that is because we're all sinners, and in order to be saved, in order to receive Christ, we have to admit that fact. We have to admit to God that we have sinned, that we have fallen short of His standard, and that we've just messed up in life. And the good news is when we confess those sins and turn from those sins and repent of those sins, Jesus Christ comes to live in our hearts and He takes that blood that He shed for us on the cross and He applies that blood to those sins in our hearts and He just washes those sins away. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7. And that verse simply says, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And so today, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, today can be the day that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. If you'll just pray this prayer, just say this. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I need a new beginning in life. Please forgive me. Cleanse my heart. Come and live inside of my heart and make me a Christian. I ask you to save me and I trust you to do it. Lord, begin now to make me the person that you want me to be. Thank you that you'll never leave me. In your name I pray, amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer today, and if you meant it with all your heart, the Lord has come to live in your heart. And I promise you on the authority of God's word that today is the day of your salvation. 
your sins have been forgiven and Jesus Christ has come to take up residence in your heart. And if you think about it, your heart has become his new home. Your heart has become his Bethlehem. And so I just encourage you as you celebrate Christmas to share this decision with somebody. If you've never confessed Christ openly and publicly in a church service, I would encourage you uh, to do that as soon as you possibly can. Share this decision with your family and with your friends. And my prayer for you and our prayer at Peace by Believing is that this would be the greatest Christmas that you've ever had and that you would just sense God's presence and peace in your life in a special way. I would encourage you, if you have a chance, to visit our website at peacebybelieving.org. That's peacebybelieving.org. And on that website, you'll find some helpful resources. We have sermons, we have booklets, we have contact information, and I think that it will be a blessing to you. But my prayer for you and your family is that you have a wonderful Christmas. We hope that today's message has been a blessing to you. You can find this message and many others on our website, peacebybelieving.org, under the broadcast tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.